as with all of our episodes, they are made for adult ears. So expect to hear some swear words and occasionally some adult themes. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As you may have seen from an Instagram post, we held back on releasing a couple of the episodes which we had ready to go in isolation diaries and we did that because although we have a small platform we didn't want to digress from the really important conversations about racial injustice and white supremacy which were taking place online Um, but as the days have gone on we feel like we have to address it because the message that we are getting loud and clear and that we strongly strongly believe is that silence is violence and it's not good enough and we want to make our position abundantly clear and as two white women we know that we are absolutely imperative to the movement we need to be the ones who are having the conversations we because it's a white issue it's a white person's issue we're the ones with the problem we're the ones who need to fix it so we wanted to be cautious about how we were going to go about this hence why we took a little bit of space we wanted to make sure we were amplifying black and people of color their voices before we came in and said something second to that it's starting to kind of go a little bit quieter Mm. on instagram on social media so we think it's really important to ensure that we are continuing these conversations and not shying away from them Mm. because this is far from over we think it's worth saying repeating again and again and again we support the black lives matter movement black lives matter and they matter to us and we acknowledge that as two white women we walk through the world with a privilege and a superiority that was built into us from birth and we completely acknowledge that we will never understand but we do want to stand with you and that privilege was built at the expense of black people and at the expense of people of color and daisy one of the questions that i've seen popping up on social media which i think has been a wonderful resource and we'll get to that a little bit later but one of the questions i i keep seeing is what the fuck? Why has it taken you so long? Like, why now? And it's hard to really justify to anyone that I'm not virtue signaling. Like, I really believe this stuff because what evidence do you have that you did and that you were an active ally, that you were actively anti-racist? And I don't have a good answer for that other than I guess that is privilege in its ultimate form is that you don't have to care as much as you say you do in a Mm -hmm. practical and real life sense and I I know that you're hurting at the moment I'm hurting and I'm wearing that privilege with absolute shame right now Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that to garner any pity like uh, we really want to galvanize that shame into something proactive I also want to point out there in the in regards to the shame and the guilt if we have white listeners who are feeling white guilt and don't quite know what to do with it contact us talk to us because we are two white women who should be taking that burden on and I don't want people going to their black friends and their friends of color because they don't fucking need to hear it 
And on that point, I suppose as two people who are creating content, creating media, who are interviewing people, we're conscious of, of walking that line of we want to amplify black voices and people of color, but equally we don't want to put any onus on them to educate us because again, I'm seeing they're so tired, like, whoa, we might be coming to the party, but this has been something that's been in their rhetoric and their lives and their everyday experiences for thousands of years. This is not new shit. So that's something for us to really consider and that we're trying to be sensitive about in terms of including black stories, but not relying on them and not commodifying them in a way that is selfish and insensitive. And it's walking the line between ensuring that we're not doing that and we're also not speaking on people's behalf. We can speak as white women on how we know to do the work and we can listen to other people and soak up those stories. And if anyone has any kind of criticism in how we're approaching this, please let us know. We need to know because we need to learn and we need to grow together and we can't be afraid of getting it wrong. That's the point that's been hammered home to white people. We can't be afraid of getting it wrong. What's the worst that can happen? Someone tells you that you're wrong, sick, mm. you've learned, cool, we move on and we don't do that again. That's fine, it's a learning process, it's not easy. Mm. It's never gonna be easy and it's not easy for people of color to live their lives. So I'm sorry if you have to deal with a little bit of embarrassment if you fuck up from time to time. Which we all have and will do and continue to do. One of the people who you and I admire so much is Munro Bergdorf and she does an incredible, incredible compassionate job of not buying into cancel culture while still holding people accountable. She also allows people to grow and learn. And I think that's important. Uh, and, and I'm speaking from, from a white person to another white person. I can imagine a lot of people right now wanting to virtue signal and, and be like the best white ally ever and want to go, well, I'm better than so-and-so I'm better than Jane Smith. But is that's not, that's not helpful. And I don't think that maybe that makes you feel better, but I, I'm certainly trying to be aware of that in myself and um, uh, just it, acknowledging it, it that. It happens a lot. And it happens a lot on Instagram. Oh, I've been talking about this for ages. Um, oh, why is no one listening? Why is no one looking at this? Uh, why? And like that kind of accusation, it just doesn't help, does it? No, it's like no. the classic thing of the kid who, um, gets bullied at home, then goes and bullies people at school. Of course, we want to project and um, we want to put our own shame and pain on someone else because it's an uncomfortable place to be in. But I am trying, I guess, to sit in that discomfort. And I know you are too, Daisy. I want to talk to the people that are willing to learn and willing to change. And more people need to be willing to do that. And as you mentioned, Munro Bergdorf, we also need to acknowledge that a lot of activism and a lot of the kind of comforts that we sit in now as queer people um, are down to the efforts of black trans women. And they always have been. So fucking listen to Mumro Bergdorf, listen to other black trans women and amplify their voices because they are dying and being murdered at such a fucking fast rate. It's horrific. And mm. yeah, back to Mumra Bodoff as well. We uh, strongly recommend you go and check out her Instagram and have a look at um, her story, her whole um, kind of debacle with 
L'Oreal because it's fascinating, but we won't go into that now. So to be completely transparent, part of the reasons why we didn't release the two um, episodes that were ready to go, though we will release them at some point, is because they were with two white women. On that note, we would like to say to anyone who's black or a person of colour that they are welcome to contact us if they feel like they have a story to share, an opinion to give, something that they would like to get off their chest, not necessarily to do with race issues, anything about a business you're trying to grow, about your feelings right now, about your work, your time in lockdown, not because we expect anything of you, but because we have a little bit of a platform. And if we can use that space to give space to uh, voices that are not being heard, then that's one thing we can do. The other thing we can do, Daisy? Any person of colour, any black person, if you're thinking of starting a podcast and you want some advice or any kind of advice from us, please come to us. We would be so happy to talk to you. I'd be so happy to give you a little bit of assistance. Mm-hmm. Obviously, completely free like we just want to be able to help you and we want to make sure that black people and people of colors voices are being amplified quite literally so you can you can use our platform or we can help you to build your own if that's something that you're interested in and also in the act of being transparent we just want to be completely clear that we do not pay any of our guests and we have never paid any of our guests we simply can't afford to we don't have any funding and we just wanted to make that clear because we don't want to be exploiting the labor of people of color of black people for free you know if people want to take part they're more than welcome to and that's always been our way of trying to create harness we want it to be a conversation we want to promote people's work we want to hear people's stories i was just going to add on to that that as you said the way that we have justified that i suppose to ourselves is that uh, we try to connect with people who have their own business or agenda or uh, something that they're trying to promote so we kind of link up and help each other uh, mm-hmm. That's the the view and approach that we've taken in the past. Again, we're really open to hearing your thoughts. Obviously, the brutal killing of George Floyd was a catalyst for the world to look at racial injustice in in a more in-depth way. So for Daisy and I, who aren't in the US, we're in Australia and the UK right now, uh, we also want to be sensitive to, to highlight some of the issues that are going on in our, our own backyards because... I get that it's easy to kind of, and I'm probably guilty of this myself to consider it a US issue. And I I completely acknowledge that there's a, the mass incarceration and the police brutality and the training of the US police force is different. And there are separate issues there, but racism exists globally and white supremacy is peddled all over the world yeah and if you can't accept or acknowledge that then i pity you and i pity what has happened in your life to be so lacking in compassion i attended an incredibly beautiful black lives slash indigenous lives matter rally in perth which is mine and daisy's hometown and aboriginal people in australia face many of the injustices that black people in America are facing in terms of 
a disproportionately high number of the population being incarcerated, a disproportionately high number of the population being killed in police custody, uh, the whitewashing of colonial history in schools, which I'm sure Daisy can attest to. If I look back on the history that I was taught in all of my schooling, like right up until I left, the whitewashing makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, the most I learned about Indigenous history when I was in Australia was in my third year of university doing a history degree, but it was in a theatre class. It was just mm-hmm. a random Australian theatre class. And that's the curriculum that had the most about Indigenous history. And mm. I was doing a modern history degree. Mm. There's oh. something so wrong. So wrong. So profoundly wrong with that. I mean, we, Australia is an incredibly wealthy country and we have Indigenous people who are living in third world conditions because they are forgotten about, they are not cared about. We literally, up until the late 70s, considered that black women in this country had different emotions to white women and so when we would rip their children from their arms who were anglo aboriginal babies that they somehow wouldn't feel it like the rest of the world and And you say up until the late 70s but i'm like that's still happening under a different system mm. under a more well the more updated political system oh man i know i know so that's something that's really heavy on my heart at the moment and I not want to, I will be doing more for my Indigenous Australian brothers and sisters because, fuck me, they deserve so much more in this country. If you ever meet an Australian who says that this country is not racist, then you are looking and speaking to a racist person. That is undeniable. And what has it been like in the UK in well specifically London I suppose I was literally just going to comment on that there's a massive difference between how London has responded and how the rest of the UK has responded it's a, obviously a really strange time because we have had such such high rates of covid and our lockdown has been very messy very unclear and that alone has put black people and ethnic minority people at risk it's just it's a fucking mess so i'm in london um the marches have been going on for almost three weeks now i attended the first one in trafalgar square after i attended the first one i felt a responsibility to not attend anymore and that was because it was released that uh black and minority ethnic people are four times more likely to die of coronavirus in the UK. So by me as a white person who could potentially be asymptomatic going to a second protest for Black Lives Matter, I could be putting black lives at risk. It was important for me to attend the first one because I needed to be a white person protecting... Showing up. Showing up, uh, for one. Be protecting my black friends who were attending, being a white presence, being a, in quotation marks, non-threatening presence that could be there and ensure that their voices are being heard. Uh, from, from the march that I attended, uh, from my perspective, everything was incredibly peaceful. There was a lot of support. The police weren't intervening as far as I could tell. Um, and that was the first march. Since then, things have changed slightly. The weekend just gone, we had white supremacist marches in retaliation, um, which were looked at differently within the media. 
Um, I suppose not- this is this is something I guess which is my white privilege, which I will name right now, is I guess because I live in a lefty bubble, and I think we've actually spoken about this before. Because I don't have the lived experience of being black, I'm not confronted on the daily with racism. And so therefore, when I'm in this bubble, it's kind of easy to think, well, there's more like-minded people than there isn't. And so when I hear about these white supremacist groups, it boggles my fucking mind. And I totally acknowledge that that is a privileged position to be able to bury my head under the sand and pretend like these people don't exist. And at the end of the day, that is an extreme version but the white supremacy that they're upholding is every day. That's yeah, and something I've benefited from since birth. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it, it, you know, you don't have to be violently protesting against, I don't know what, I don't, what the fuck are they violent against the existence of black people? Sure, um, you don't have to be doing that to be upholding white supremacy, mm. and that's something that everyone needs to be looking at. Something that I found really interesting throughout this time, throughout the past three weeks, maybe on Instagram for me in particular, being based in the UK, a lot of followings in the UK, is how quickly, I think within the first week, the conversation went from being about the USA and the USA's problems, like we were saying, that's a USA problem, it's something else, to being, ah, this is colonial Britain's fault imperialist britain set up the usa we set up australia we pushed white supremacy we said we are the ones that are you know we're superior and we're superior to you and this is why and that's what those countries are founded on so to see them as different things to see the uk as this sole little meek placid nation it's just factually wrong i'm not saying those are the only places that colonial britain impacted because i know that there's so many more countries it's just that right now we're thinking of america i'm in the uk roshin is in australia these are the places that we know the most to talk about and i just want to make that clear Mm. daisy and i are really interested in exploring the impact of the church and the spreading of white supremacy for example i know that video on instagram has been going around of jane elliott talking about the maps of the world which honestly boggled my fucking mind about how the original the the maps of the globe that we that is taught in every single classroom in australia and the uk at least uh were commissioned by the church and they are disproportionate in terms of the scale of countries prioritizing and enlarging white countries which kind of says it fucking all doesn't it and there's there are things that i would have just accepted and i would have never have ever even questioned well before we started recording we were talking about how western societies base factual evidence on images and on tangible objects the world map was never questioned for us was it to us that was a fact it's not a fact it's distorted so what is like just oh god i was gonna say what is truth what is you know it's just it's so big it's so confusing one other thought and i know we have to go but one of the things i was really thinking about today because i saw that hilarious post on the reductress about people who can go into the sea with a statue right now including katie hopkins and oh i didn't see that i was thinking about how that's an example of how companies businesses individuals 
either profiting or gleaning entertainment unnecessarily from people who are spouting hate speech. So, you know, I've certainly looked at Katie Hopkins documentaries or YouTube clips about her because I find her so fucking ridiculous. But equally, I was thinking about how certainly broadcasting companies need to think about their responsibility in terms of if they're profiting off people who are literally famous for being in air quotes controversial, which just means racist, how, you know, ethically how they sit with that. And I know that everyone has a right to say their opinions, but there comes an ethical line where there's an opinion about a topic. I'm sorry, not everyone has the right to say their opinion. <laughs> in that, I just don't, I just yeah. don't think they do. I yeah. just don't think they do. But what, where's, where do you draw the line between opinion, rational opinion, and just outright racism, sexism, bigotry? bigotry and how there comes a point where just some things aren't necessary. It's not necessary to publish Milo Yiannopoulos. It's not necessary to make a documentary about Katie Hopkins. It's not necessary because at the end of the day, you are profiting off someone being an absolute fucking imbecile and it's not even like you're separating the art from the artist she ain't an artist she's just a piece of shit like there's nothing that she's doing there's nothing that she's contributing apart from hatred yeah and there does there there. has to be a line in the sand somewhere i'm sure most tories would be distancing themselves from katie hopkins and this very small minority who aren't well are they tories or are they Nazis. I mean, it's a fine line. (laughs) Just to wrap up, I think we should just quickly chat about where Harness came from. Our initial kind of concept, we wanted to talk about how we take online activism offline. And that's a lot of the questions that we had with our first series of um, guests, how they're doing that and how they're taking their work offline. And this is the premise of this entire movement. Post what you like on Instagram because it's good. It makes people think, but you're not going to learn everything there. And you can't, you can't rely to learn everything on there. You have to take it offline and do the work. So posting is a good is an amazing prompt it's an amazing source of news on instagram it, i mean yeah and i don't careful. think people should be criticized for that i th- i think i've i've also mm-hmm. witnessed people really trivializing so, you know social media in terms of its jumping you know i've heard phrases about jumping on bad wagons and certainly we've heard a lot about virtue signaling and that's absolutely fair but as the guests we interviewed last season taught us you know that that communities and movements can actually be built and there's a certain power in digital activism that has not been in the hands of activists prior to the last decade where have you been getting Roisin? all of your information about the Black Lives Matter movement. Social the majority. Media. Social, Social media. media. Instagram, right? Yeah. Like, anytime I've become interested in any sort of activism, it's, it's been through social media. When I was 15, it was Tumblr. Now it's Instagram. In the middle, maybe it was Facebook for a little bit. But this stuff, this stuff is powerful. And it's powerful for the, it can be for the wrong reasons, but it can be powerful for the fucking right reasons. And we need to be, oh gosh, I was going to say we need to be harnessing it, but we do. Sorry. (laughs) It has been a healthy and helpful reminder for us about what our intentions were when we started this podcast 
and uh, has just refocused us about moving forward what we really want to highlight and uh, we'll be yeah keeping you posted on that so yeah get in touch with us we can still be releasing a few more episodes over the isolation period i'm still in isolation that get in contact if you have anything to say any thoughts or comments we can chat about them next time and thank you for bearing with us and thank you for listening to this episode we we really really appreciate that yeah and i guess i want to say to any person of color any black person listening without being patronizing in any way i want to say that i'm so fucking sorry and that if i can reach some love through the sound waves to let you know that we we hear you and we want to stand not just with you but for you and that we're so fucking sorry that it's taken us this long yeah we're with you we really want to be and we're going to do our best to use the platform that we have and in our everyday lives try and make sure that we're saying black lives matter right yeah because black lives fucking matter 